0: Welcome to Calvary Live. We are so glad you could join us through our podcast. Here at Calvary, we want you to live life at the highest level through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope today's message will be an encouragement. We're reading, and I shared with you that our Surgeon General made a very unusual uh, declaration, wrote a 60-page thesis describing this. He says we have a new epidemic in America. and is an epidemic of isolation and loneliness. And Christians are not immune from this. <clears throat> in fact, we're reading here that in this survey, half of U.S. adults said that they've experienced loneliness in their life. Then this this figure really shocks me because at the younger we become, and get in generationally in America, the more socially uh, connected, well, I should say uh, internet, social media connected that, that we find. So the most social media connected generation, in the history of America, this is what we read, 79% of people ages 18 to 24 reported feeling lonely. So evidently, many of the things that, that we have designed and thought would bring companionship and connection and fulfillment to us are just not working. And so what we're looking at here in this series is is not some uh, psychological tre- treatise from your pastor. I'm not a psychologist, not a psychiatrist. I didn't sleep at Holiday Inn Express last night and wake up, you know, with another degree. What I want us to look at is something that we're all really dealing with, that many, many people have dealt with or are dealing with. And how do we approach it as believers? What's available to us as a Christian? What does God have to say about something that's very real in our life? Another quote, just let me give this from last week, says, we are lonely but fearful of intimacy. Think of that statement. It's almost a The opposites. Think of that. We are lonely but fearful of intimacy. Digital connections in the sociable robot or social media platforms may offer the illusion of companionship without the demands of friendship. That kind of fits our culture, isn't it? You know, we're a no-fault culture. We're we're a no-investment, no ownership. Hey, just let me take the easiest, shortest way out for, for the immediate moment. And that's beginning to reap a harvest of isolation and loneliness. Now, I'm, I told you last week, I'm not the guy against social media. I'm not the guy against the Internet. We We are using it incredibly for the kingdom of God. It's a tool. It's how you use it. It can be incredibly uh, uh, helpful. I'm going to tell you, I used to, Phyllis could see this. I, I used to carry uh, this uh, armfuls of books around. You know, I've got a big library in my home. And 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 uh, when I would come home, if I was going to do some study at home, I'm carrying two arm loads of books and commentaries and, and all the reference books. I, I, got a, I got that whole deal right here. I mean, I like carrying this around. You know, I, when, on my international flights, when I'm doing missions work, I used to pack up my briefcase and bring three or four books. I got it right here on this or my tablet or, or, or my, my computer. It, it's easy. So it, it's, 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 it's nice. It's convenient. But I want to tell you, parents, I want to tell you that that, the, that social media, if you have giving your child a cell phone or anything that can access Internet, you're responsible for what they're accessing. You're responsible for what's going in. I'm going to tell you there's some ridiculous things being stated there. And they're your children, and they're your responsibility. I'm going to tell you as an adult, you, you need to monitor what you look at, what you see, what you read, uh, all, all these things. I mean, I, I, you know, I, I'll say this as delicately as I can, I can. You know, uh, women used to worry about their husband's mistress working at the office with them. Now their mistress is a pixel on a screen they're looking at all the time. She's a little harder to run down than that other one was. And I used to be on one side of it. Now the females have just as much an issue of that as the men in our culture. And so what I'm trying to say, this isn't, this isn't some stick your head in the ground. I'm not an ostrich. I'm not saying, you know, if you're a Christian, you don't have internet. I'm saying if you're a believer, you need to be responsible for how you run your life. You need to make responsible decisions. You need to be, be honest with yourself. And we need to realize that the bottom line on all those things, it's not just that immediate moment. It's what is creating. It is literally isolating you from the healthy relationships in your life. It's literally a sad counterfeit for what your heart is really looking for. Is everybody with me today? And so we have to understand those things. Uh, this this quote ends with this. This it says, "Would rather text than talk." You know, I, I've I, you've seen it. I've been, <laughs> I don't want to point fingers or say names, but. I've been in homes and people were texting each other in the same house. One's in that room, one's in that room. They're texting. It, I don't know if it's isolation or just laziness. Come on, don't shout me down. Preaching so good. So we need to deal with some things. How do we? How do we work with that? You know, this year, I don't think it's coincidental. I, I didn't align this originally, but that's how God aligns things. You know, this. For instance, this. Saturday, think of that, is our serve the city day. We took a shift this year. Instead, of we've, we've done projects. We've put numbers on mailboxes for the city of Decatur. We've painted high schools. We've, we, we've cleaned lots. We've picked up trash. We, we'll continue to do those things. But I felt here a few weeks ago, the Lord directed me for, to take that day, to take this Saturday, and let's focus on widows and shut-ins. Let's focus on people who are lonely. And I didn't even know I was going to be in this series yet. And so think of that. We're, we're going to be Jesus with some skin on. And we need to get out and show up for these. Uh, uh, Ricky Bruinton and his wife Donna that lead our Encore senior ministry and said, Pastor, you can't believe how excited these folks are that their church family is coming out on their property. Ladies, Pumps and Pearls is going to be at our Dream Center. Many of you have been involved in that for years. That's one of the most exciting impactful things we do. If you haven't signed up for that, please do that. So ladies, we're going to ask you to get over there. What's pumps and pearls? We're bringing in ladies and families that we minister throughout the year through Adopt-A-Block and said, hey, come on in. We want you to have a shopping spree on us. We want you to be loved on and cared for, and let you know somebody knows who you are and cares for you. The testimonies we've had over the years of ladies uh, being given an outfit and a purse Uh, We we had somebody recently, Pastor Phyllis shared with me, a lady, uh, well, we had someone send in uh, email to the church. And uh, this was the lady said, isn't this amazing? And we don't know how, except God does this. uh, We don't know how she got the email for for this event because we sent an email out to the ladies of our church. Watch how God works to bring in that that new or or lightly used outfits and shoes and purses. Sorry, guys, I guess if they give them away, they're going to put some more where those were. So anyhow, it's okay. Uh, but this lady got the email. We didn't know she was on our email list. And she said, several years ago, I was one of the ladies invited to pumps and pearls. She said, I was at the lowest point in my life. I came in, I got a brand new outfit, purse and shoes. She said, it changed. It, it just, I felt like somebody cared. I felt like I had hope again. She said, I accepted Christ. I have a job. I've moved out of the place I was in. God's turned my family around. And by the way, I'll be there putting my clothes out on the rack to get to these ladies. I mean, it's just amazing. So I'm not just doing this as a commercial. I'm just saying it's fun to see God's time. So guys, the ladies are going to be over there. Ladies, if you haven't signed up, do it. Guys, I need you to help us. We've got lawns to mow and flower beds to weed and some other activities. Just sign up on the website, please. We're all going to, all the guys and the people going out and uh, uh, minister to the widows and shut-ins in their homes, we'll meet here Saturday at 9. Ladies, you'll be over at the Dream Center uh, at different times you've signed up. There will be 5 to 12 year old The children will be here making uh, handmade uh, cards for our shut-ins and widows and for our first responders so they can get involved. Then when those events are over at 2, we'll meet at the Dream Center in Decatur. And we're going to hand out flyers. Uh, announcing the first Sunday of August, we launch our every week Spanish-speaking service at 1 o'clock. Come on, we're excited. <laughs> excited about that. Absolutely, absolutely. So, in fact, we've got our last service today. today. is Spanish-speaking service at 1 today, and then the next one in August, we start every week. So, it's good. It's exciting. I want you to turn to Genesis chapter 2. How many are thankful for an opportunity to get to go help somebody that's lonely? To get to be out there. In fact, but can I tell you something? Uh, if you're lonely, the best way you'll get over that is helping somebody else who's lonely. The Bible says, I will reap what I sow. Do you know that you can sow when you hurt? Do you know you can give when you're lonely? You can touch when you need to be touched? Okay. It, it's it's just an amazing thing. So we see where we are. We see these this moment we're in as a culture. We see all the uh, uh, disconnect. We see all the... Uh, isolation loneliness feeling like all by myself people write songs about it. so what do we do where do we go well here's what I want to say we have a response for that can somebody say amen we have a response for loneliness it's real and it's not something to uh, discount or, or take lightly but we need to understand God has an answer God has a solution. God has a way of, of, of helping us with this. Let's look at Genesis chapter 2 and verse 18. What did God say when he created Adam? And he said, you know, Adam, you need somebody. And, and so what did he, we read here in Genesis two eighteen? The Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. He can't even find the milk in the refrigerator." How many wives said, honey, would you get the ketchup? And like five minutes later, he just stared. They're blind. We go blind at certain times. I don't know what it is. But God wanted the human race to survive. So he said, this man is not going to make it happen. So what he said is, we've got to put some women in this equation. So the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper, a helpmate, suitable for him. So that's what God did. I want you to understand the reason we struggle with loneliness and uh, and isolation and feeling alone, being by myself, is that God created us to connect. God created you for that. And God didn't create you to connect to frustrate you. God God didn't create you to connect for you to be sad and lonely. God has a way of putting us in the right places with the right people. How many hear what I'm saying? He he has a way of doing that. But what we need to understand, God is the author of relationship. God was the one who created us with the capacity and the desire to be connected. And if we follow his order, someone say his order, we're going to find these things work. I'll show you this today. I hope I have time to to get to everything I want to share today. Um, This whole thing, this order of God, relationship begins with you and him first. How many hear what I'm saying? You will struggle. I'm going to say this unequivocally. I'm going to say it without fear of contradiction. You can disagree and that's fine. But I'm going to say this, again, without any fear of contradiction. You will never find an earthly relationship that will ever substitute for your relationship with God. There will never be one to take that place. You may think that it will be. And that's why many people keep pushing through relationship after relationship, after relationship. And every time a relationship fails, your loneliness quotient goes up. Every time another person disappoints you, your isolation quotient goes up. And so what we need to do, and what I want to share with you today, I want you to get this. Here's here's the real problem. Our real problem is not that we're alone. Our problem is we don't know how to be alone. Okay, that's the issue. The issue is not I'm alone. The issue is I don't know how to be alone. We're going we're to learn some things. But I want you to see God's order is that my first relationship begins with him. As a child, of course, we're, you're with parents, you're with people. But as you begin to grow, even in your early adolescent years, this inborn given gift by God to connect is to bring you to him. And then when that relationship is solid, you begin to have the capacity to have a relationship with other people. You know why it works better? Because you stop expecting people to be God. No one would say that. You haven't bowed down and worshipped somebody and made them God or an idol. But if you are not having put God in his place in your life and you have another relationship and you expect to be complete, you're literally asking a person to be God to you and building in the failure of that relationship. So the order of God is that my relationship with him is first critical center foundation from that. The other relationships find their order and their place in my life. And we just must learn how to get that right. Let me show you something. Look at Hebrews chapter 10 and verse number 23. Hebrews 10, 23. I really believe that one of the latter day, last day strategies, these days we're living in, that Satan has launched against people is to scatter us and isolate us. I really believe that is a end time strategy to divide us, scatter us, isolate us, Look with this with me. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse number 23. Hebrews 10 and verse 23. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope. See, said you're in these last days, you're going to have to have some hope in your life. So he said, take hold of hope. Let us hold unswervingly to, to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. Who's that? It's God. He said, you can have hope because God's faithful. Now notice verse 24. And let us consider, give thought to, how we may spur one another. Let me think about how I can encourage the people around me toward love and good deeds. Can I ask you something? What's the end result of your relationships? What are, what, when, when, what's the takeaway from what you're investing in the people's lives around you? Your spouse, your children, your co-workers, your neighbors, your your classmates. What, so what's their takeaway? When they've been with you and me. What's the deposit we leave behind? He says it should be love and good deeds. When they think of you, that's what they think of. Man, that person loves me. Look what that person does. Look who they are, okay? Now, watch this. Verse 25. Let us not give up meeting together. Did you get that? It is worshiping like this, but it's in every capacity. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Why? Why? But let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day, capital D. See that as the return of the Lord approaching. So the Bible literally says in these last days, people will become hopeless. People will become scattered. And the enemy is doing that because he sees the return of the Lord coming. And so we are commanded twice in these verses to encourage people to connect, to encourage people to live like God created us to live. To help one another find God's order in our life. You were created by God to connect to God and connect to some other people. We just have to understand how God makes that happen. I want to say this to you today. I said it again. I'll say it some more. Loneliness is not your destiny. Tell that to somebody next to you. I want you to tell somebody. Somebody needs to hear that. Loneliness is not your destiny. I want to tell you something else. Loneliness is not your identity. How many heard what I just said? Loneliness is not your identity. I hope I can address all these things today. Let, let, let me help you with this. Are you ready? I want to tell you, make some statements here. I'll pre- I'm going to preach a little bit. I need to put some statements. I want you to get this. We must rediscover. Are you with me? We must rediscover that Jesus is everything we want others to be. Did you get that? We must rediscover. You did it early on in your walk with God. But I want to challenge you. To rediscover or discover for the first time, I want you to think of this, that Jesus is everything we want other people to be. Everything you're trying to get a person to be for you, Jesus is that. He's already that. Can I tell you something else? I'm just going to be honest with you. Let me say it this way. They're not going to make you happy. <laughs> They're not going to make you happy. They're not going to complete your life. There's not going to be the richness of a relationship in order that where God is the center and someone else is put in your life by God. Without that, I'm going to tell you something. They are not going to make you happy. I know she's pretty. I know he's got a fine car, but he's not going to make you happy. He's not what you're looking for. God's what you're looking for. Somebody with me. We have to get this in order in our minds and allow God to work. We have to understand that our problem is not being alone. Our problem is we don't know how to be alone. Now let's look at Hebrews thirteen five. Turn there with me. Hebrews thirteen five. Refine that. It'll be here on the screen. Hebrews thirteen five. What does the Word of God say? Why don't you get this? Uh, well, this this first part of the verse is just free advice. All right. You. Keep your lives free from the love of money. And be content with what you have. How can I be content? Because God said, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. So we probably need a corner new phrase. If God is with us at all times, then I really can't say as a Christian I'm alone. We probably need to start saying I'm people alone. Because you're not alone. Because God said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. So let's, let's remember this. Maybe our problem is people alone. But l- l- let me help you with something. So you say you're in a, maybe you feel like you're in a lonely season. Or you're in a moment where you've, you deal with some loneliness. Now, let's look at a couple of things here, all right? Somewhere, listen to me. Somewhere in the middle of that loneliness. Somewhere in that midst of you feeling you're alone, there is a place. If you'll keep your eyes on God. Hear me close that you can literally become content right where you are. Why? Because when all the doors in this life close, sometimes that's the first time we really allow God to be everything he wants to be in our life. Sometimes I have to walk out of this earth's counterfeits before I can ever really see everything God has in store for me. There's a place of contentment without the people factor changing in your life that comes from discovering that God is greater than you ever thought he could be. Everybody with me on that? Let's look at this. I've got a lot of scripture I want you to see. God knows about what you're going through. Let's look at 2 Kings chapter 4. Now, I've preached from this chapter and taught you from it before, but let's look look at it, 2 Kings 4, in this context of what? Loneliness, Second Kings chapter 4. So let's think about this. What did I say? Sometimes in this season that we, we initially think this is going to be bad, this is going to be lonely, this moment I'm in is going to be tough. I'm not saying it not tough or it couldn't be bad, but sometimes in that place, I'm saying it again, of where we sense it's going to be lonely, we can find a place of contentment because we find what it's like to really be with God. You know what happens to us really? Sometimes you have to be in a place where all you have is God before you recognize God's all you need. Sometimes we spend our whole life running away from a divine appointment. Sometimes we give all our attention and energy and effort and miss a very moment God created to bless you with. Look at this lady in 2 Kings 4. We read here in verse 1, The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead. So this is a widowed lady who is alone. She's alone. And I want you to see her mindset until God breaks in on this. It's, there's nothing wrong with being there. The, the, the danger is staying there. Haven't you heard what I said? There's nothing wrong being in that place. The danger is staying in that place. So the lady said, My husband's dead. And she says, your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that he revered the Lord. These are good, godly people. Husband was a prophet. Nothing wrong with her. So godly people can get lonely at times. What do we do? She says, you know that he revered the Lord, but now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slave. Evidently, he loved God, but he didn't know how to handle his money very well. Well, some people need to learn the Bible and learn how to handle their money. All right. Everybody does. So that's free too. Verse 2. Elisha replied to her. I I, I love this. This might seem odd. So she goes to the prophet and she says, My husband's dead. I'm alone. We're in debt. He's going to take my boys to pay off the debt and I'm going to lose everything. I'm going to be a lonely, widowed, homeless woman. That's, That's her condition. And she comes to Elisha. And she says, I need some help. And, and what did he say to her? He asked her a question. This isn't what she wanted to hear. He said, how can I help you? You said, well, that wasn't kind. We ought to go. He ought to open up the church benevolence fund. Come on, church people. I've been paying my tithe there. What well, is in the bank? We've been giving it to God. Did anybody get that? I thought that. Okay. So we're doing ministry with it. So, so she says, I'm in trouble. And he says, why are you asking me? That's, that puts us back for a moment. But what was he doing? Watch this. He says, how can I help you? He says, what do you have? Now watch her thought. Are you with this? This is where loneliness is going to grab your life. Because she said, your servant has Nothing. Her first response was, I don't have anything. I don't have a husband. I don't have my boys. I'm going to lose my house. I don't have a single thing. And you need to help me, Mr. Prophet. And you know what the prophet was trying to get her to do? He was trying to have her go look to God. He was trying to help her to see in this moment God may be big enough to do something about it. He was trying to help her understand that in this moment you think it's going to be bad. If you look to God, God may take the moment that you think is going to be your worst moment. And God may have a divine appointment with you in the middle of that moment. If we'll find him sometime, I have to be in a place where all I have is God before I learn all God's all I need. See, our problem's not we're alone. Our problem is we don't know how to be alone. We don't know why we're alone. We don't know that God's in the middle of there. Is anybody with me in this? So he says, I can't help you. What do you have? She says, well, I don't have anything. And I guess he put the prophet eye on her because she thought again. She says, well, <clears throat> I got a little oil. Now, if you've been in any funerals I've done in the last few years, you may have heard this. So hear it again because you need to. She said, I don't have anything. She looked one more time. And she said, I just have a little bit of oil. Do You know, sometimes you got to clear the deck before you can see what's really still inside your life right there. Sometimes i got to get the clutter out before I can find what God has been hidden from me all along. Are you with me? Somebody said a long time ago, it's not hidden from you, it's hidden for you. Come on. Somebody's got. And sometimes you got to get man out of the way before you can see what God has put on deposit in your life. Now you've got to understand in that day and time oil was important because that's what they would mix with their grain and make their bread and eat when you're really poor. So if she was really poor and had run out of everything and she has two boys, and they're starving, why is there still oil on the shelf? I'll tell you why. Because it wasn't cooking oil, it was anointing oil. Her husband was a prophet. And the reason that oil was still on the shelf was because she thought the days of miracles and profit was over. She hadn't used the anointing oil because it was there. But when everything was gone and God said, take one more look in your life. I know you feel lonely. I know you feel isolated. I know you think it's too late. I know you think you're never going to smile again. But if you'll look one more time, I have deposited something just for this moment because I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And when you'll take one more look in what you thought was the end. You're going to find a deposit of the Holy Spirit waiting on you in your house. And God's going to turn your depression into a revival. He's going to turn your lack into an overflow in your life. He said now you go take that oil and go gather every vessel in the neighborhood. And start pouring that oil on. She did that and he said, you take it. And you and your boys are going to live on the overflow. Do you see what the devil designed to make you lonely and depressed? God turned the worst moment into an overflow moment in their life. Your destiny is not loneliness. How many are listening to me today? Come on, it's just there. We we have to understand. Listen, can I tell you something? We have to drop the notion listen to me, that anybody's company is better than me being by myself. Did you hear what I just said? You got to get over the thought that anybody's company is better than being by myself. Can I tell you what 40 some years of pastoring, counseling, praying with crying people has taught me? Sometimes when you get what you want, you don't want what you get. If you think you have have to have somebody with you. You're going to get a lot of counterfeits, misfits, no fits. I could go on. You got to let go of that fact that anything's better than being alone. You may need to be alone to find out how great and big your mighty God is. God's going to be there. I've debated him. I told Pastor Phyllis this morning, I said, I don't know if I ought to say this or not, church. I'm afraid a lot of couples are going to get that side eye look at each other. Because in my study, I read a poll that said, 50 percent of the people they polled thousands of couples, 50 percent, said if they could do it over again, they wouldn't marry that person. I'm just reading the facts. That's kind of discouraging,. Thank God, I married the right one. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. But I think a great deal of that is due to the fact of what I began with. People are trying to have a person do for them what only God can do for them. And the disappointment factor is built into that relationship. We have to come to the place and recognize that anybody's company is not necessarily better than being alone. Now, I want you to hear this. Come on. There's some points that you've got to take with you. Our problem is not alone. It's we don't know how to be alone. Listen to this. We have to realize. That the solution to loneliness isn't always people. Very often the solution to loneliness is not a person, it's your purpose. That's why you're lonely. Not because there's not a person, it's because you don't know your purpose. Let me say it this way. Your problem is not a lack of affection, it's a lack of direction. See, you can be lonely in the midst of people. You can be lonely sitting at work. You can be lonely sitting in this room. You can be lonely watching me on live stream. My, my issue is not people present or not present. Uh, m- many times the issue is, do I have some purpose for my life? Do I have some direction for my life? And, and, am I moving in all the things that God has for me? Am I, am I walking in that? See, see, Jesus was alone on purpose. Because he knew in that place of being alone, being away from man, I could really be in the presence of my Father. The Bible says he often would go away from everyone. The crowds are growing, and modern ministry today would be saying, chase those crowds, get out in front of those crowds. And Jesus was always running from the crowd, going up on the mountain, praying all night, getting up early in the morning. The Bible even says he would go in lonely places and pray. He wasn't lonely. He would just, nobody was there but him and God. What a place. What a place. And he would come out of those. See, again, what am I saying? Alone's not your problem. Not knowing what to do when you're alone is the problem. He would come out of those moments with his father refreshed, renewed, prepared, encouraged, ready to go do everything that God had for him to do. He, he was blessed in that. Remember I told you about Jacob who spent his whole life tricking and deceiving. That's what his name means, the deceiver, the trickster. He had tricked his father, his family, his father-in-law, his wife. Hey, this, this guy was a rascal. And finally, for the first time in his life, he's got to go back and meet his brother whom he tricked out of his birthright. And he's so afraid, he sends all of his family in front of him. And he spends the first time in his life alone with God. The first time. The liar, deceiver, tricker, conniver. And when he finally got alone with God, God encountered him. And he wrestled with God and himself. And after that encounter with God, God gave him a new name. He said, you're not the trickster anymore. Your name is going to be Jacob. You're a, you're a prince among men. Your name is Israel, no longer Jacob. He's got a new name, a new nature, a new hope, a new future. I'm telling you, there are some uh, encounters waiting for you and God that you don't want to miss. You don't want to miss. We We have to realize that God is with us. We have to realize that we can't say, I cannot live unless this person is there. If God be for us, who can be against us? God, we read Jesus said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. Maybe we feel forsaken because we haven't given God the opportunity to show up in our life. Maybe we feel all alone because we keep running from the presence of God. Maybe we feel all alone because we never meet the divine appointments God has arranged for us. We never give him a chance. See, look at this, Second Timothy 4, 16. Notice this when they turn there, or we'll, we'll have it here for you. Second Timothy chapter 4 and verse 16. Some incredible men and women of God have had those moments, but God comes through. You ready? Second Timothy 4 and verse 16. He says, at my first offense, no one came to my support, but everyone deserted me. Wow. Okay. May it not be held against them. Wow. Look at that. Then read this. But the Lord stood by my side. Come on, somebody, you need to write your name on this. Somebody needs to, in fact, I, you, you know, you don't have to physically do it, but I just said somebody in this room, you, you need to, on the inside, you need to just stand up. You just need to get your marker out right now. You need to highlight something on your phone and say, okay, at my first defense, no one came to my support. I was alone. My family wasn't there. My co-workers didn't stand up with me. I was alone. Nobody was there. Nobody stood with me. Everyone deserted me. But that's not the end of it. That's not all of the verse. He even says, may it not be held against them. Why? How can you say they deserted me? Nobody stood with me without getting a bad attitude and depressed and sour and bitter. You know why? Because the next verse says, but the Lord stood at my side. Do you know if the Lord stands by your side, you're not going to worry who's not by your side. When God comes up in that moment, you're going to be okay. You're going to be content. You're not going to be alone. You're going to be in the presence of Almighty God. Maybe in the body of Christ, we need to learn how to pray again. Maybe we need to learn how to read our Bible again. Maybe we need to learn how to renew that relationship with the Father again. Maybe the next time the Holy Spirit leads you to do something, you ought to say yes. I found out if I say no, that's the end of the conversation. But when the Holy Spirit says do this and I say yes, guess what happens? Then he tells me the next step. And then he tells me the next step. And then he tells me the next step. If you want to hear the voice of God, keep saying yes to God. Do you know why we don't know his voice very well? We don't talk with him very much. We don't know he's there when he's right there. The Lord standing by your side. Somebody may reject you, desert you, everybody leave you. And if right there you start singing the blues, blaming people... Taking on the victim mentality. I'm going to tell you, I believe that has done as much to destroy people as anything. We live in a culture that will convince you every day you're a victim or you're listening to me. If you carry the victim mentality, you have not encountered the presence of Almighty God. If God is for us, who can be against us? So you didn't give me anything, I don't need your stuff. I serve the God who owns a cattle on a thousand hillside. My mom and daddy didn't leave me an inheritance. My God left me an inheritance. I don't have anybody stand with me. God stood with me. You were mean to my grandfather. Well, God's good to this boy right now. You didn't do that. God's for me. I'm telling you, anything that puts a victim on your name, a victim in your identity, is not from God. It's not from the Word. It's not from the Holy Spirit. I'm going to tell you, we need some people that are reminded God is standing by your side. Let's get in touch with the God who's able. Why do people feel like a victim? Because they don't know the word. Why do they feel lonely? Because they believe the lie. They're a victim. Paul said, I've been in prison. Paul was on the Isle of Padmas. He was put on this little rocky outcropping in the middle of the Mediterranean Sea in a, in a penitentiary, in a prison on a rocky island because he preached the gospel. But he said there, if you'll read the Revelation, he said, on the Lord's day I was in the Spirit. Mm. There's some people never been in the spirit. And they've been sitting in church all their life. Don't shout me down. That man's in prison, isolated, spoken evil of. It's a bad place to be. It's a tough spot to be. He hadn't done anything wrong. But he said on the Lord's Day. He was even had a calendar. Listen, there's some people who can't get to church on Sunday driving in an air-conditioned car down an interstate. Because they're a victim. Well... Somebody sat in my chair last week. I had to walk from the back of the parking lot. That man was keeping up with it. He knew it was Sunday in prison on an island. And he said, it was Sunday. I'm in prison. I've been locked up. I'm away from family, friends, and all comfort. But I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. And he said, you know what happened? God took me up into heaven. Show me what was. Show me what was going to come. Wrote the book of Revelation. I'm going to tell you, your alone time may be an invitation for God to show up in your life in a way that like you've never even imagined he could. We are not alone. Our problem is we don't know what to do when we're alone. I'm going to skip to this final place here. We'll go back some things. Oh, Lord. I probably shouldn't even read this. I'm going to read Mark chapter 5. Go to verse 24, and I will wrap it up quick. Mark 5. Try not to preach, but it's really hard. <laughs> God's word's too good, isn't it? Let me give you one more illustration. We're going to pray, and then we're going to walk out of here victorious. Amen? Worship team, you can come. Pastor have learned if you say worship team can come, people relax. They know it's almost over. That's a preacher hack. <laughs> Mark 5, look at this. Here's a lonely, isolated lady in every sense of the word. I want you to get this. Mark 5, verse 24. <clears throat> says, so Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him, All right? Big crowd pressing in. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for how long? 12 years, in isolated loneliness for 12 years. Under the Jewish law, Levitical law, she was untouchable. No one could touch her. She lived completely isolated and alone, 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. You see that? When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd. I want you to see this. In the middle of her loneliness, guys, you've got to get these couple of steps so you can take this with you. In the middle of her loneliness, she said, I'm going to take a step to Jesus. She didn't say, well, if he wants to heal me, he'll come find me in my house. She said, I've heard about this man. And I know I'm lonely. And I know I'm isolated. But I'm not going to wait another day. I'm going to take a step to him. I'm, I'm, I'm going to risk something. Are you with me? I'm going to take a step to him. Now, I don't have anything to base this on, but what I've heard about the goodness of God, I'm going to take a step. So she, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I'll be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? Verse 31, you see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you can ask, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then, look at this, then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, trembling with fear, and told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be free from your suffering. What I want you to see, we preached all these other things. But the thing that's startling to me, I want you to see. This woman, isolated, lonely, desperate, destitute, spent all of her money. She's worse instead of better. Says, I'm going to take a step. Are you with me? I'm going to take a step. And when she did that, Jesus healed her. But the thing that's remarkable to me, and this is where you have to get this, so you do not allow this to happen. She had been lonely so long that it became her identity. Because even after she was healed, did you read what I just read? And Jesus said, who was healed? Who who just was healed? Now come on, tell the truth. If you had been sick for 12 years and God healed you, Don't you think you might have had a Hallelujah runaway? You Presbyterians would have turned Pentecostal. You dignified folks would have done a little dance. Come on, tell the truth. If you'd been healed after twelve, whoo glory! You'd click your heel. You'd run. Jesus is me. Tell the truth. But she didn't do that. The Bible says she was hiding in fear. Healed. And hiding Think of that What's happened to the church Saved, forgiven Yet hiding God's already done it She was healed, are you hearing me? But her identity was so entrenched I'm lonely I'm rejected I'm isolated I'm not good enough Nobody wants me She was healed Yet hiding in fear From the very one who made her home. I want to say this last thing. When she took that step to Jesus. And he healed her. It opened the door to all the people. She'd been missing in her life. See when you get Jesus there. Your people quotient. Will get all set up and in life. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. You can connect with us live. Each Wednesday and Sunday. Through our social media pages. If today's message has blessed you. Please rate and review us. So that more people can hear this message of Christ. Find out more about Calvary on our website at calvaryassembly.org.